Well, welcome to this special edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, kicking off a new month, and this is kind of the beginning of a holiday weekend. I know that a lot of people have Monday off, and it's maybe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday is a holiday weekend. But if you get to get, make this a getaway day, uh, congratulations. I'm really happy for you. Uh, grateful for the opportunity to spend some time with you today uh, on the program. We've got a great guest coming up, and the reason why this is all kind of special is today is my birthday. And I'm very blessed every time I get the opportunity to uh, uh, spend time with you on my birthday. But uh, this year, last year was a milestone birthday for me. Lisa went way overboard. Uh, Angels played the Yankees, and she rented a suite, brought the whole family in. My brother flew in unbeknownst to me, and uh, we celebrated my birthday last. This year, you know what, you do 60 when you're in, it's a big deal, right? And then this year at 61, it's like, yeah, here's your card. You know, do you have to work today? What time are you going to be home? Okay, thank you very much. But that's okay. I'm very, still very blessed and uh, grateful. Uh, I'll tell you why at the end of this hour. Uh, why so in particular? Because uh, ber- ber- my birthday is a fun day to remember, but it's also a very special day as it pertains to the bottom line. Got a couple of stories to share with you first. And I invited uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel to be with me on the program today because it's my birthday and also because he's got a brand new book out that's doing really, really well. Uh, something he co-authored with Kathy Lee Gifford. And we're going to talk about that in about 15 minutes or so. First, though, one win and one loss in the California legislative season. Uh, and these wins and losses are really important. This happened yesterday, and I'm reading the press release from our friends at the California Family Council. Uh, you may recall there was a bill that was passed to the California State Senate, uh, SB 866. And a lot of people have been talking about this bill. Um, this is a bill... That basically, remember when COVID first happened and everyone kept telling us the only way to stop COVID is to get the vaccination. And you heard me say on this program, if you want to vaccinate or not vaccinate, that's entirely up to you. I don't get flu shots. I've only had one pneumonia shot in my life. And that was when I was getting out of the hospital after open heart surgery. And it made sense to get it. I've only had the flu shot once and I got the worst flu I ever had. So I just decided I'm going to take my chances with over-the-counter meds. When it came to COVID, I saw it as the same thing. And Lisa and I finally got hit with COVID this past June. So I figure for two years and three months... Uh, we ate healthy and, you know, just did what we could to protect ourselves and, 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 and try to show caution, obviously, with other people, too. We weren't running around handshaking people and hugging people too much. That's how a lot of people handled it. I mean, there, it's estimated that maybe 140, 150 million people in the U.S. had COVID, didn't know they had it, got natural immunity to it. And now they don't have to keep getting jabbed every six months because you see the billboards that say your immunity is wearing off. But one of the issues with SB 866 that was so sinister to me, this is a bill that was written by uh, Democratic Senator Scott Weiner out of San Francisco. It would allow a minor age 12 or older to obtain a vaccine or a vaccination of any kind without parental consent. Now, it's interesting because when you think about this, there are certain vaccinations that, I mean, there's a lot. How many vaccinations do kids have to have these days from the time you're born to the time you wind up graduating from high school? It's uh, 60, 70. I mean, it's massive. It used to be back in the day, it was like 10, 12. We are so vaccine happy in the People's Republic of California. I remember five years ago when my uh, grandson Isaac was born, there was a vaccination he was supposed to get the day he was born. He just got here. I mean, what could you possibly need? Don't you get any chance to build up any kind of natural immunity to anything anymore? Well, that was part of the issue with this COVID vaccine. The drug companies were pushing hard and left-leaning politicians were pushing even harder to make sure that every child got vaccinated. Now, let's take into consideration the fact that there are 77 million children under the age of 18 in the United States right now. And the number of kids who got COVID was maybe a couple of thousand. The death toll from COVID was literally in the teens, possibly 100, 200, 300, out of 77 million children. And the vast majority of those kids had a a pre-existing condition. And I'm talking leukemia, you know, something really major where they'd already had radiation and chemo, that their immune system was totally compromised. Then they'd get COVID and they, they would lose their lives. So the idea that these senators in California, state senators, were trying to pass legislation that kids could get a vaccine, 
jab at their school with no parental consent. It just boggles my mind. I mean, it really honestly does. Now, I know not every parent is a good, perfect parent. We've had the conversation here on this program about some kids in foster care, for example, and I don't understand how the state approves some families that turn out to be derelict and just collecting money while good, Christian, decent families are sitting on the sidelines, 37, 38 deep, going, put me in, coach. I'm ready to be a foster parent. I'm ready to be an adoptive parent. But this is just so sinister because, first of all, when kids get COVID, it has a different impact on their body. We're pretty convinced, pretty sure of the fact that Lisa and I got COVID from our granddaughter Zipporah. It's conceivable that she's the one who picked it up. Did she have any symptoms? No. Any fever? No. But she'd been around some other kids who might have had it. Well, see, when kids get it, you know, remember it was all, shut the schools down, and oh my gosh, it's going to be an epidemic and a plague. Kids get something like COVID, and it's really pretty much in and out of their system in a day and a half. When we adults get it, then it, it's, it's a bit more challenging. But the idea that you would need to have vaccines for kids really isn't accurate. And again, I, I know that there are some people who would disagree with me. And if you do, drop me a note at thebottomlineshow.com. But by and large, for the most part, I think the vaccines have proven effective with some adults. And in other cases, you basically just gave yourself COVID. I mean, it depends on your system. I was talking with Dr. Gary Chapman, the Five Love Languages guy. He's going to be coming on the Bottom Line Show in another week or two to talk about a great new book of his. I had COVID in June. He had COVID in July. And I said, how was it? He goes, it wasn't that bad. I had a sore throat for about three days, then I'm back in action. Gary Chapman's 85 years old. I mean, he's still going great guns, still doing interviews. We did the interview on Zoom for crying out loud. But that was our collective COVID story. So the idea that California legislators seem to be of the impression that the only way that kids could be protected, quote unquote, from COVID was to give them a vaccine. Nothing about dietary changes, nothing about what are the best remedies if a child gets COVID. Nothing about the fact that the mortality rate for children with COVID-19 has everything to do with whether or not they have a critical life-threatening illness to begin with. Obesity, hypertension, sure, cancer, that, that will really mess you up. Well, Senate Bill 866 was defeated. Now, when Scott Wiener's bill went through the state Senate, uh, it was originally supposed to be for minors age 12 and under. It barely made it through the state Senate. The state Senate, we have a supermajority in California. There are 80 assembly seats and 40 Senate seats. There are more than 27 Democrat senators in the California state Senate. There should have been an easy slam dunk majority, but it passed by a majority of 21 to 19. A lot of Democrat senators would not vote for this bill. So then they made the amendment before they sent it to the House, or the Assembly rather, and the state Assembly bill was age 15 and up. Finally, Wiener couldn't get the support even for 15 and up in the House, and so Wednesday morning he pulled the bill for, from consideration. It won't come up in the California docket until January of 2023 at the earliest. So this is a very, very good news uh, report coming from the California legislature. Now, a not-so-good news report is that California Senate Bill 107 is one involving the transgender issue. You know how there are so many kids, we're told, that are clamoring for these transgender surgeries that are irreversible. They lead to sterility. They lead to depression. They lead to suicide. We've been told if gay kids don't get everything that they need, they have a much greater chance of suicide. And, and if the transgender kids don't get what they need, then they have a greater chance of suicide too. What people don't understand is, you know who has a greater chance of committing suicide is the person who already had the surgery than the person who's contemplating whether or not they should go ahead and do it. California Senate Bill 107 said, hey, look, if states like Texas and Mississippi and Florida are making themselves basically sanctuary states for uh, people who want to be free from abortion, well, we want to be a sanctuary state for young children and their families who want to have these life-altering sex change surgeries. And so California 107, Senate Bill 107, 
allows for a family where the transgender surgeries are illegal, like a member in, in Texas where uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton uh, deemed that uh, any parent who was giving their kids or allowing their child to be uh, given cross-sex changing drugs or have surgeries and stuff like that would be subject to a state investigation and subject to criminal prosecution. Well, basically, they're saying, hey, if you're in Texas and you want a transgender surgery, come to California and we will provide sanctuary for you. Now, get this. If you're a teenager, for example, or maybe in middle school, and your parents don't want you to have this surgery, but you can find a way to get to California, California officials will keep your parents from finding out that you're here and getting ready to have the surgery. Hot diggity dog. Now, because it passed both the state Senate and the state assembly, that bill is now going to Governor Newsom's desk for a decision. He has until September 30th to either sign the bill into law or to veto the measure. What will Gavin Mussolini do? with this transgender sanctuary bill. I predict that the decision that he makes to sign it or veto it will be largely based on how he's doing in the polls and how it will impact his presidential hopes for 2024. We will definitely keep an eye on that. Craziness in the world, craziness, craziness, craziness. But there is some good news. So SB 866, defeated. No, don't have to worry about your kids going over from school and saying, hey, guess what happened to me today? I got a shot. I got the jab that you didn't want me to have because now you don't have any say in my life. I'm 15 years old. But as far as State Bill 107, all we can do is pray now that the governor decides it's not politically expedient for him to sign this bill into law. We've got both bills up at thebottomlineshow.com. As we continue, uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel is a consultant on The Chosen TV series. They're in uh, season number three. Uh, Rabbi Sobel has also been busy with his writing, and he is the co-author of a brand new book called The God of the Way, a journey into the stories, people, and faith that changed the world forever. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rabbi Jason Sobel joins me next to talk about that book as The Bottom Line continues. Let Wilson Financial Services help you identify proprietary financial strategies for your wealth that work for your life. Let's revisit our one-year CD. Had a client who had $500,000 of retained earnings in his corporation for the last three years. I said, if you'd have put that into this account three years ago, you'd have seventy-five dollars to $100,000 of interest versus what you have now, which is a nice round number. Had a client sell his house, had $450,000 in the bank. I told him, is he really not likely to buy a house in the next 12 months? You want to leave this in the bank earning nothing? Or would you like to earn some interest on it over the next 12 months? So he said, how much? I said, well, how about between 20 and 30,000? He says, zero versus 20 or 30,000. Yeah, he says, I like the 20 or 30,000. Sounds better. Aren't you tired of earning nothing with all the money you have in the bank? Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line for a brand new release that will make interesting something that often is not the type of thing that especially a lot of evangelical Christians like to dive right into. Uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel is with me today here on The Bottom Line. He and Kathy Lee Gifford had partnered for a brand new book called The God of the Way, a journey into the stories, people, and the faith that changed the world forever. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rabbi Jason Sobel, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Shalom. It's so great to be back with you. Thank you for having me. You know, it's great to talk to you, especially since you're on this whirlwind tour in New York right now and you're spending time on the phone with us here in California. Uh, What have the last couple of days been like? What's it like to have a book on Amazon that only has two digits in the ranking? That must be really surreal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a a real blessing. And, uh, you know, just God is is blessing it and it's impacting people's lives. And this book is a follow-up to our first book, which was The Rock, the Road, and the Rabbi that Kathy Lee and I did together, which was a New York Times bestseller. So we're believing this one is going to have just as big of impact. Yeah, so far so good with the book just being released a couple of days. Talk about what it, what it's like to work with someone like Kathy Lee, because people know her as a television personality. I understand you actually visited her old haunt at the Today Show not too long ago. And, and uh, you know, people have sometimes they'll look at a Shannon Bream or a Kathy Lee Gifford and they'll say, 
gosh, I, I didn't know there was a lot of spiritual depth there. Rabbi Jason Sobel, what's it like for you as a as a man of faith, but also as a uh, you know someone who's a biblical scholar uh, working with someone like that alongside? What 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 do we not know about Kathy Lee Gifford that we should know about her uh, depth of biblical oh, man, knowledge? It, yeah, it, it, she's amazing. I mean. You know, as a Messianic rabbi, a Jewish person who believes in and follows Jesus as the Messiah, and Kathy is actually has Jewish background. Hmm. Uh, she was originally Kathy Lee Epstein, <laughs> so she comes. So her her dad was Jewish, and she obviously has. This, what I love about her is she has such a passion for God's word, such a strong faith uh, in God and in Yeshua, Jesus, and you know she loves every chance she can get uh, to share her faith. And it's just beautiful because this book is actually also connected to an oratorio that she did, a music project, mm. uh, in which she's telling the, the same characters, the men and women of faith that we discuss in the book. She is put to music and video. It's really in a movie. It's beautiful. Mm. Rabbi Jason Sobel with me today here on The Bottom Line. The brand new book, The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People, and the Faith that Changed the World Forever is up at thebottomlineshow.com. I love how you delineate uh, these different testimonies, these different stories, and talk about some of the named heroes in Scripture, but also some of the unnamed ones as well. You start out by talking about the God of the how and the when, and you give us some some names that are very, very familiar to us. Help us understand, especially with those of us who uh, might be walking through kind of a tough season right now, and you're wondering, you know, where is God when? You know, I thought he was leading me here. Uh, why these testimonies are, are so important for us to to dwell upon and to meditate on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think all the great women of faith and men of faith, I mean, each one of their journeys is not only a testimony, but it actually contains a promise that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And what he's done for them, it was written because he wants to do the same thing for us. And so each of these stories has a promise attached to it that's relevant for our life today. So whether you're like Abraham and Sarah and you're waiting for God to fulfill the, the promise that he's made to your life, or whether we talk about in the story of Moses, like how God appeared to Moses in a burning bush, but actually in the Hebrew it says a burning thorn bush, and mm. that's significant detail because thorn bush implies a pain and suffering and exile. God was saying, I feel the pain of the children of Israel, everything you're going through. I've been with you in the midst of the pain and suffering, the thorniness of your slavery. And of course, that applies to Jesus in the New Testament, who had the crown of thorns on his head, just like God appeared in the thorn bush to Moses. God is saying, in the, appears in the person that Jesus says, listen, I feel your pain that you're going through, and I'm not asking you to go through anything that I myself haven't gone through. And it goes back even to the curse of creation, the ground produced thorns and thistles. Jesus took that curse of creation on his head so he can restore the blessing in our lives. You know, it's interesting, I, and I've not heard that insight with regard to the what type of burning bush it was. We just oftentimes go with the story, take it superficially at face value, and realize, okay, well, it was a bush. But the fact that there were thorns in the bush, I mean, Rabbi Jason, is is so significant to us, and it, it kind of leads us into the next part of this uh, the book, The Guide of the Way, which we've got a link for up at thebottomlineshow.com. And that is quite simply just the power in the Word of God. And I, I see a lot of dissension, a lot of uh, differentiation, if you will, among people who profess faith in God. And yet we see guys like George Barna coming up with their statistics saying, hey, look, it's only one out of every three pastors in America right now has any sort of reverence for God's word as the uh, literally incarnate word of Jesus Christ, you know, being who he is, but also it's living and active. Talk about why it was important in this God of the way for you and Kathy Lee Gifford to write about the power of God's word and who God is literally his word uh, living in our, our lives today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's so significant because, you know, God holds all things together by His Word, is what the Scriptures say. And literally, God spoke and the world came into existence. So His Word is woven into the very fabric of creation itself. And so what's interesting is that God speaks in the Genesis account ten times, and the world comes into being. And we talk about this in the book, and then there's ten plagues on Egypt, and then there's ten commandments, so ten creation, ten redemption, ten revelation. Well, what's the connection? Well, since God's Word is woven into the very fabric of creation, when Pharaoh disobeyed God's Word, the ten utterances of creation, he experienced ten 
he's experienced chaos. So when we don't respect and honor God's word, instead of order out of chaos, we get chaos out of order. When we take God and the Bible and those principles out of our society, out of our country, it leads to chaos. In fact, there's one letter difference between exile and redemption. It's the letter Aleph in Hebrew, the letter that represents God. When you take God out, you have exile and chaos. When you invite him back in and you respect his word, you have order that leads to alignment, that leads to blessing. And we've got chaos because we've neglected Jesus and his word. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Rabbi Jason Sobel, because I, I realize it does happen and can happen in other languages, but I'm fascinated with how in the English language, for example, the difference between united and untied is if I'm in the wrong place, you know, the, you move it out of whack. And I realize that's not just a clever uh, idiosyncrasy of the language. You're talking whether it's Hebrew or Greek or English or whatever. It's amazing how the definition and, and people will use words uh, rather maliciously in our culture right now to try to define life or gender or things of that nature, how important it is for us as Christians to be well-read, to be well-versed, and to understand that there is power in the Word of God. And so we don't have to kind of sit back on our haunches and let other people decide. What was it Francis Schaeffer once famously said, he who defines the Word defines the world. And we realized that, well, that's true because the living Word of God is the one who's the actual source and definition. Talk about that. Yeah, think about it for a moment. Before the world was, the Word was. The Word pre-existed creation in the person of Jesus, right? And then God speaks the world into existence. And I, I think that's so significant because, you know, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. There's freedom in the truth that comes through the Scriptures, which is why God wants us to know it and understand it. But I think there's so much practical significance there because we talk about in the book how the word, there's so much fear in the world, right? And the word for fear is also the same, has the same root as the word for fish. So the disciples, John 21, are fishing all night and they catch nothing. Why? Because they're fishing from a place of fear. You know, Peter feared, oh man, I denied the Lord. I'm certainly not going to be the rock. God can't use me anymore. And when we live from the place of fear, our nets, our lives, our relationships are going to be left empty. And we live in a world where all you have to do is turn on the TV news, listen to the politician. This world runs on fear. People want to put fear in us to manipulate us. But God says, listen, move from fear to faith and from faith to trust. But knowing the word is key to having faith that overcomes fear. Rabbi Jason Sobel, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Jason's brand new book, co-authored with Kathy Lee Gifford, is called The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People, and Faith that Changed the World Forever. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Glad you tuned in today for the September 1st edition of the broadcast. Uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel is my guest. We're talking about his brand new book called The God of the Way, A Journey into the stories, people, and faith that changed the world forever. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We will be giving away a copy of this book on the other side of the break, but I just wanted to take a, a quick uh, time out here. By the way, the book is number 64 on Amazon right now. It's just selling like crazy. People just can't get enough of this type of material. Um, Jason Sobel, of course, Rabbi Sobel is working on The Chosen as one of the consultants and, and talk about the Old Testament historicity and making sure the accuracy is there and, of course, the New Testament, the Gospels as well. Um, as if you needed yet more proof that we have more archaeological evidence that uh, the God of the Bible is still the God of the Bible. A team of Israeli and American archaeologists has uncovered an, an inscription on a century old, centuries-old basilica near the Sea of Galilee that strongly suggests that that building was constructed as the home of the Apostle Peter. Now, the inscription goes back about 1,500 years, and it references the donor, Constantine, the servant of Christ. Uh, Constantine, of course, was a 4th century Roman emperor who converted to Christianity, and then includes a petition for intercession from, quote, the chief and commander of the heavenly apostles. The latter phrase references Peter, according to what archaeologists are saying. Uh, according to a news release, the title Chief and Commander of the Apostles is routinely used by Byzantine Christian writers who refer to the Apostle Peter. Uh, the expedition was led by Kinneret College in Israel and Nyack College in New York. Last year, that same team announced that they had found the famed Church of the Apostles. 
that was basically built over the homes of Peter and his brother Andrew. So yet another, and this inscription is verifiable back to 1500 years, but if you've got Constantine involved in it and then you've got the, the apostle Peter, well, this is yet, do we need any more evidence? Well, God keeps giving us all these little bits and pieces and it's so, it's just fascinating to see how he does this. I love the kind of playful nature of God. Don't you? I mean, in this situation where here he is, he could just flat out say, this is this, that is that, but he leaves things for us to discover. He uses things from 15, 1600 years ago to encourage his children in 2022, in the year of our Lord. I love that part about God. I'm, I'm not super adventurous and super, you know, get out the, you know, the, to, to, you know, look for the buried treasure type of stuff. But it is fun when you find a dig like this. We'll put this article up at thebottomlineshow.com. And thinking about this U.S. and Israeli dig and the cooperation between the two nations reminds me of the time that I spent on the set of The Chosen uh, last week. And um, Rabbi Sobel, of course, one of the consultants there, uh, you're going to hear that audio and see video that we had shot, kind of a documentary form, up at thebottomlineshow.com starting October the 7th. We'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, more of my conversation with Rabbi by Jason Sobel. We will talk about The Chosen and more as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this special edition of The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Rabbi Jason Sobel is with me today here on The Bottom Line program. His book is called The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People, and Faith that Changed the World Forever. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rabbi Jason Sobel has been a, a contributor to The Bottom Line Show for many, many years now. He's the author of Breakthrough and Aligning with God's Appointed Times. He also is the co-author of the New York Times bestseller, as he mentioned earlier, called The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. And is that's co-authored with his current co-author, Kathy Lee Gifford. And he's also a spiritual advisor to the Chosen TV series and host of The Chosen Unveiled on TBN. Uh, Rabbi, I was talking with you during the break about the fact that I recently had a chance to do a set visit of the new, excuse me, the new compound. I guess the new Jerusalem is Midlothian, Texas. Uh, but <laughs> it's really go. remarkable. Talk about what it's like for you to work on the show, because a lot of people would say, well, I'm not so sure when Dallas Jenkins does something, maybe he's taking license with scripture, but... He has a whole army of people like you helping with the scripts, talking about story ideas and how to present them. Talk about your role on The Chosen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Dallas loves God's Word. He loves Jesus. He wants to impact lives. That's his motivation for doing this. But he wants to bring the story alive into people in a way they've never experienced anymore. And I was involved with The Chosen from the very beginning before one episode was made. I took... Uh, Dallas and a number of the team to Israel on a tour to the sites where these events happened in the Bible that they're talking about in the show, spent a lot of time there with them. And so, you know, they're, they're, it's it's been a great journey to be involved in seeing the uh, impact of The Chosen. And I'm friends with Jonathan, who plays Jesus. And it's just, it's just a very special project, and God is using it in big ways. It's amazing. I've been privileged to be on the set of a couple of Christian films and a couple of projects in my day. And the experience on The Chosen was like nothing else I'd experienced either. And I know our bottom line listeners are chomping at the bit for season three of that. You'll be getting some video <laughs> of my time on the set coming up in October. And then the big release is in November. Um, meanwhile, with the new book that just came out this week, The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People and Faith that Changed the World Forever. You have a section in the book, Rabbi Jason, about uh, the God who sees. And I know there are a lot of people right now who are wrestling with this kind of sense that so much has happened in the world over the past couple of years that it seems like, well, I heard Tony Evans say, people are treating prayer like it's the pregame to the battle instead of realizing that prayer is the battle, you know, when you get right down to it. Talk about the examples that you used of the God who sees and how that gives all of us who might be going through a season of saying, gosh, God, are you there? Do you really care? It gives us hope knowing that God has shown up in this way before. Yeah, we talk about Hagar, and we talk about the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, and, you know, both with Hagar and with the Samaritan woman, both these Gentile women, and, you know, it, Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman, and he ministers to her, and she's shocked, and she winds up, after, you know, having this encounter with him, going and telling all of her friends, come meet a man who's told me everything about myself, and that's so significant, because really one of our greatest needs is to be seen and known. This yes. woman had never been seen by the people around her. She was a nobody. She was worthless. She had no 
real value. And Jesus saw her and knew her, and it radically changed her life. And I think this is so significant because maybe people don't feel like God is hearing them or seeing them, but He hears and He sees and He cares. And even with so many people out there today, right, there's natural desire to be seen and known. That's why we have social media. People think that by being seen on these different platforms and getting likes and getting followers and subscribers, that that somehow is going to validate them or give them a sense of worth and their life a sense of meaning. But it's empty. The only one that can give that sense of life and meaning is knowing that you are a child of God and that God loves you and cares for you. Mm, And these are powerful examples that God does see us in those moments where we don't think he sees. And also, I'm going to kind of circle back around. We're familiar with Mary of Magdala, David, Ruth. But the fact that you put in Hagar as well, too, is a part that I think the social media divisiveness, you know, you have to either like this side or that side, this, that, and the other thing. We often forget that though Hagar and uh, Ishmael and, you know, that, that type of thing was not part of God's plan, God still had a tender heart for them though it was going to lead down a, a tough road. And I think that that is a, a healthy reminder for us in the body of Christ that we don't just kind of toss baby out with the proverbial bathwater when it comes to who God will be tender with and who God has compassion for. The way I read scripture, it's God's desire that everybody everywhere has the opportunity for salvation and not just the people that we feel like we can actually uh, preach the gospel to. Rabbi Jason Sobel, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People, and Faith that Changed the World Forever is the book. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. You conclude the book with examples of people who meet the God of the other side. What do you mean by that phrase? Yeah, I mean, I, I love it that the other side, from a biblical perspective, was the side where the pagans were, where where the oh you'd never go as a, a, a someone who loved God. You didn't go to the other side, right? It was kind of a place that was kind of uh, associated with everything idolatry and sexual immorality. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus was willing to cross over, and that's that he never passes by. He'll always cross over to meet us where we're at, and part of the reason for that is that. He comes to bring us hope. And that's one of the reasons why we wrote this book, is that hope is the promise that our future is going to be better than our past. And so much helplessness is rooted in hopelessness. And what's interesting, the word for hope, as we talk about in the book, is the word tikva. And tikva literally means to stretch or to strengthen. And the point here is that God allows us to be stretched in seasons like we're going through right now in our nation— in order to strengthen our faith, hope, and love. You have to be stretched in order to be strengthened. And in addition to that, tikva literally means rope. The rope that Rahab put in her window when the promise, when the walls of Jericho were coming down, that that rope would keep her and her family safe. So literally that word hope is the same word for rope, because hope is a rope that pulls us out of the pain and the hurts of our past into the promise of our future, and Jesus came to give us hope, and uh, that's that's good news for each and every one of us. That even every when everything is crumbling like those walls, we still have an unbreakable promise from the Lord rooted in His Word, and we need to we need to stand on that. Hope is a rope. I've never heard that analogy before. I mean, and that's not just an analogy. It's the literal definition. If you think of the, the definition of hope that I was brought up with, was just the expectation of what is certain then what can be more certain than being in a situation where you feel like you can't get out and someone's saying, okay, here's the rope, uh, grab it, hold on to it, climb onto it. We see how significant ropes were in scripture and the way the Lord used them. And of course the disciples did as well. And it, it's, it's tough for us, you know, city boys like me who grew up in the suburbs and never had to do anything <laughs> tough with my hands. I don't know about you, Rabbi Jason Silva, but ropes weren't necessarily, were necessarily a part of my uh, lexicon growing up. But nonetheless, that's a, that's a great word picture. Rabbi Jason Sobel is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People, and Faith that Changed the World Forever. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. A couple of minutes left in our conversation, Rabbi Jason, and you write about the power of unity. And I wonder, I mean, and I mean this sincerely, when I see people of all different so-called Christian persuasions, when I see people in the Messianic part, I see people in the Catholic part, 
and I see the number of divisions that we have. Talk about why the power of unity not only is important, but it's really a biblical mandate that we don't always live out. Absolutely. I mean, the last prayer of Yeshua Jesus before he was arrested was he prayed that these and those would be one as he and the Father are one. And then he says, then you will then you will be perfected in unity and the world will know the Father sent me. We're not going to be perfected until we're unified, nor will the world be W-O-N until we are O-N-E, one in Messiah. Yeah, and that's uh-huh. Pentecost. We talk about that in the book, right? They were in one accord and revival happened. And God's presence, power, and provision is always proportional to the unity of his people. And the reason why people don't fully know who the Lord is, is because they look at our divisiveness and our the way we treat one another, and they don't see the Lord in that. We need to do a better job. We're to be his representatives, and uh, we, we need to change our ways. And, you know, I think that we talk about in the book, The Prodigal Son, and one of the interesting thing the prodigal comes to is awakening in the pig pen. Well, why in the pig pen? Well, the pig is the most unkosher animal. And the rabbis say that the word, the word for pig in Hebrew is chazir, which means to return. And the rabbis say that in the Messianic kingdom, pigs are going to return and be kosher again. So there's a promise for the pig. If a pig can be transformed to become kosher, the co- and the prodigal realized that God can do the same for him. And I think we need to return. Too many of us have been the prodigals, but then we become the older brother. Not happy for mm. the ones that return. Not happy for the ones that are different than us. And we need to understand, we need to welcome those that come in, embrace those that are different from us, and love them as Yeshua did. Just like there's a promise for the pig, there's a promise for every individual, and that unity is based on God's love and promise. Powerful words of insight from Rabbi Jason Sobel today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called The God of the Way, A Journey into Stories, People, and Faith that Changed the World Forever. We have a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rabbi Jason Sobel, always a pleasure. God bless you. Congratulations on the new book, and thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Shalom, shalom. Thank you so much for having me. It's always great to be with you. What a great conversation, and what a powerful book, too. I like this writing team of uh, Rabbi Jason Sobel and his good friend, Kathy Lee Gifford. The book is called The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People, and Faith that Changed the World Forever. We have one copy of this book to give away, and Teresa is standing by right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, the one caller will win the book. However, today is my birthday, and I want everybody to win something. So we're going to make this an Everyone Wins Day, uh, thanks to the fact that, by virtue of the fact that it's my birthday. It's my birthday, and you get the present. <laughs> so if you want to win something, uh, Teresa's got a standing by, maybe even one of those Wilson Financial Services brownies that are so yummy. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, we've heard of Christians being bullied because of their Christian faith. But what about Christians being accused of bullying because of their Christian faith? Wait till you find out what a New Jersey religious community is being accused of because of the backlash from the LGBTQ community. And this is a cross controversy that you've never thought of before. As a matter of fact, if you don't have an aerial photograph of what's going on here, you might not even know that there was a controversy to begin with. We're going to take a look at this coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, still taking your calls. We'll be doing so right up until the top of the hour. Uh, and I say top of the hour because on the West Coast it's 4 o'clock, and in Colorado it's 5. Um, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to The Bottom Line. We're giving away a copy of the brand-new book by Rabbi Jason Sobel and Kathy Lee Gifford. The book is called The God of the Way, A Journey into the Stories, People, and Faith that Changed the World Forever. It's a beautiful hardcover edition, and we want you to have it. We've got one copy to give away at 800-227-5278. But as I mentioned earlier, um, since it's my birthday, everybody's going to win something today. So, Teresa, be on your toes, okay? 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. A Christian group is being accused of bullying a non-Christian group. Now, that 
Well, you know, we hear that a lot, especially as it pertains to people who are activists in the LGBTQ AI plus community. And a group in New Jersey is no exception. Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association is a Methodist ministry that has been in existence since 1869. They are currently facing backlash from a local group of LGBTQ activists because of something that they did after Hurricane Sandy. Remember Hurricane Sandy? Everyone calls it Hurricane Sandy, though it wasn't actually a hurricane. During the 2012 presidential election, you remember President 44 was running for re-election with Vice President, who is now President 46, and they were running against Mitt Romney and Paul Ryan. And I can say this now, 10 years ago on the Bottom Line Show, we were all in for Romney and Ryan. Thought that the Obama-Biden ticket was getting too progressive, getting a little too communistic. We didn't want to see that happen to the U.S. We thought, well, Romney, you know, knows what it's like to be a conservative guy in a liberal state from Massachusetts. And Paul Ryan, good head for business, and his wife was a registered Democrat. We thought he could cross the lines pretty nicely. And as it turned out, God cut us a solid because Romney and Ryan would have been an absolute disaster as president and vice president. We knew what we were getting with the Obama-Biden ticket, and they got even more progressive, but then all of a sudden Donald Trump happened, and God likes to keep us on our toes. But during the campaign season of 2012, we were told in the fall, like October, right before the election, that there was a hurricane coming. They already had it named. They were all ready to go with it. Hurricane Sandy. Hurricane Sandy was going to hit the eastern seaboard. It was going to rock New Jersey and New York. Remember back 10 years ago when everybody thought New York was the epicenter of the United States? Oh, my gosh, we can't have... What happens if a hurricane hits New York? I mean, this will be awful. It'll be terrible. Category 5, this will be... What will we do? And then as it drew closer to land, it became a Category 4. And then Chris Christie, the Republican governor of New Jersey, started making appearances on the campaign trail with President Obama, saying, hey, we got this, we got this. You know, I, I think that the leadership in the White House is going to help us. And that made him a turncoat with a lot of people on the GOP side. But then rather quietly, Sandy became Category 3, Category 2. Pretty soon it's like the auction where no one's bidding. And 25, 50 over there, it was old! to the guy who didn't really bid much of anything. By the time Hurricane Sandy hit the, store, the shores, it was no longer a hurricane. I mean, it was a big old storm, but they literally had to coin a new phrase. They had been selling us on it for weeks that a hurricane was going to hit New York and New Jersey. And instead, a big old storm hit, hence the title Superstorm Sandy. <laughs> Sometimes, brothers and sisters, please understand. And I, and I say this speaking for myself. The world wants you to be afraid. And so the news stories that you see are designed to make you afraid. And then they show you a picture of a puppy. And then you go back to, to you know, being afraid again. And then you see somebody eating ice cream and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I feel better. And then more gloom and doom. They call it doom scrolling or zombie scrolling. But basically the news media makes money when you tune in to find out if any bad things are going to happen to you and me. Now, on the Bottom Line Show, I had a guy email me a couple weeks ago and say, how come everything you talk about is so negative? And I thought, wow, if you saw the stacks of email, people saying, I love the good news. I love the hope that you have. This is so wonderful. I'm so encouraged by this. I don't know how one person could say, all you ever say is negative things. But I mean, you know what? That, that, hey, I'm here to present you listen to it, process it any way you'd like to. I mean, a fifth of our programming, 20% every Friday, the whole show is dedicated to good news on top of the other stuff that happens during the course of the week. But if you hear it all as negative, then I can't tell you what to hear. But back to Superstorm Sandy. Superstorm Sandy hit in 2012, and it knocked out all sorts of stuff along the eastern seaboard. As a matter of fact, the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association took it upon themselves to take a look at a pier, a pier along the Jersey Shore, the Ocean Grove Pier. It got knocked out back in 2012, and so the Ocean Grove Camp Meeting Association decided that what they wanted to do as a community service was they were going to rebuild the pier. And so they did. 
They bought the materials, they hired the laborers, and they rebuilt the pier. I'm looking at an aerial shot right now, and to be honest with you, there's a pretty long pier. There's not a lot of commerce around it. I see people on the shore enjoying the sunshine because in California, we go to the beach, dude. But on the East Coast, you go to the shore, right? And... <laughs> And these people are at the shore kind of enjoying themselves and people are walking up and down the boardwalk and it's kind of nice. And I think they see one place where you could probably rent surf riders or get snow cones that'll get sand in them or something like that. But there's a problem. The Camp Meeting Association COO, Jamie Jackson, said, well, when we built this uh, this uh, configuration here, we used the sign of the cross. Now, Ocean Grove is about 3,000 people south of Asbury Park. It's not a town per se. It's a community. There's a township called the Neptune Township, which has their own unique charters. They got their own rules, blah, blah, yakety smack. This whole camp meeting association and this area was founded as a religious retreat over 150 years ago. Now, basically, they had a charter. And then the New Jersey State Supreme Court declared the charter unconstitutional. However, however, the association still owns all of the land. If you want to buy a home in Ocean Grove, residents have to sign a land lease agreement with the camp. So you can have your beachfront you know, bungalow on Ocean Grove, but technically you're leasing the land from this organization. And that's where the LGBTQ plus activists got involved. Because, quite frankly, the association owns the beach, they own the boardwalk, they own all the local activities up there, but there's this LGBTQ tourism industry that has come along, and there are hotels and clubs that cater to that community as well. And now, apparently, they don't like the fact that the pier looks like a cross. Seriously, you would not, if you were walking out on it, you go, oh, kind of L's off here and this, that, and the other thing. The only way you would know this is a cross is to look at an aerial picture like we'll put up at thebottomlineshow.com. Our friends at Faithwire have put this up. It's a cross. <laughs> and when asked why it was made to look like a cross, Jamie Jackson, the COO of the Camp Meeting Association, said, well, we make no apology for that. I mean, in fact, we love the fact that it looks like a cross. It's a religious town. Most of the people are excited. They'll be able to have the pier shaped this way for their purposes. We added the extensions north and south to create opportunities for better life-saving weather stations and lightning detection. But since it looks like a cross, so what? Apparently, they had precedents in this area. If you've ever been to Coney Island, the pier at Coney Island does the same thing. You walk out toward the ocean, it's an east and west type of deal. And then they have a piece of uh, wood or several sections of wood that go out north and south. And it's all designed for safety, for life-saving, for better viewing opportunities, for diving into the ocean, whatever you want to do. Well, the LGBTQ crowd doesn't like it. They don't like it because it's a cross and it's religious, which is kind of interesting because I wonder how many people in that LGBTQ community would say, well, I'm a Christian and I go to church and I kind of like the cross, actually. Uh, no word yet as to whether or not the uh, township is going to force the community association to actually remove the cross. Quite frankly, they said, you know, this is this is nuts. Uh, Senator Holly Shevsky is a Republican from New Jersey, state senator. And she said, quite frankly, if you pay attention, it's crazy that this is the top story on NJ.com. She wrote, most fears that I've been on are in some form of a T-shape. I think that New Jersey has far bigger issues to worry about than attempting to cancel out a pier because it might be looking like a cross. To which I would say amen and amen. Take a look at this uh, when you go to thebottomlineshow.com and you'll, you'll see what we're talking about. Uh, take a quick break. When we come back, some final thoughts to round out the hour as the bottom line continues. Right after you get into an accident, you need to call Stephanie Cover of Cover Law to begin the process of healing. Too many people make the wrong choice and try to handle their case on their own. Don't be gullible. Your insurance company does not have your best interests in mind. Their job is to save money, not help you recover. Stephanie's priority is you. She will help you recover wholly, mind, body, and spirit, as well as get you the settlement you deserve. Begin your recovery by contacting Stephanie first and follow her instructions to streamline your healing process. Stephanie has over 25 years of experience and knows how to get you healed and restored. Although your friends and family may have good intentions, 
They are not personal injury attorneys, and therefore they do not know the best way to help you. Stephanie Cover does, and she will help you put the pieces back together financially, physically, and spiritually. You need to write down her number now, 877-214-4935, or go to kbrightradio.com slash Law. Your healing begins with Cover Law. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's so grateful that you've tuned in today to the broadcast. Uh, we've got the National Crawford Roundtable coming up just around the corner. Bob and John and uh, Neil and yours truly talking about the uh, uh, the event that happened in Colorado Springs or didn't happen last Friday night. The Rocky Mountain Vibes baseball team, you know, the team that had a family night scheduled. It was sponsored by two pro-life organizations. And all of a sudden, the hospital that does naming rights for the stadium uh, decided they wanted to cancel the event because they don't like competition for the fact that the pro-life group encourages people to choose life and the hospital performs abortions. Pretty sad state of affairs, but uh, we I think we give it a very thorough and fair reading. Uh, you, you'll check out the first half of that to, uh, coming up at the top of the hour, and then the full hour edition is up at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. That's the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, just around the corner. First, though, I wanted to thank everyone who's been dropping me notes today. Uh, today is my 61st birthday, and I'm very, very grateful to, A, be alive, because four and a half years ago, I had open heart surgery, and I didn't have a guarantee that I was going to make it to 57, let alone 61. But secondly, I always remember September 1st, very specially, because obviously it's my birthday. It's neat. But on September 1st, 2011, I had been in negotiations with Crawford Broadcasting for a couple of months about starting a brand new program uh, called The Bottom Line Show. And on September 1st, 2011, my contract arrived in my email box that day. And the thing I love about this is it's the only contract, and I've been in broadcasting, this is my 40th year, it's the only contract I've ever signed for hosting a show. And uh, it was just a wonderful opportunity. Uh, if you look, dig through our social media sites, you find a much younger and slimmer me signing the contract on a pizza box and just having a great time. But I'm so grateful to Don Crawford Sr. and Jr., everyone here at Crawford Broadcasting, our ops manager, Todd Stickler, who's been with us since day one. And to you, as bottom line listeners, many who've just found us in the last year, uh, many who've been with us since day one. Uh, I'm blessed and honored and humbled to be able to serve you in this capacity each and every day. But I remember this, especially on my birthday, because this is the day it got serious and we actually signed a contract kicking things off. Okay, so thank you. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of this day. Uh, For those who are on KCBC, uh, Rabbi Schneider is coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. For those who remain on the network, NCR coming up next as the bottom line continues.